0: Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in
1: the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Vision Sunday, this is really one of the most exciting and certainly one of the most important Sundays in the entire year for us as a church. As many of you all know, it's the time where we pause, we take stock, we say, how are we doing? What's God saying to us? And where is the Holy Spirit leading us over the coming year? Uh, And uh, this isn't just like a one-off Sunday. This is part of a very careful uh, and prayerful process that actually began before Christmas, believe it or not, with the elders of the church, the town pastors, the trustees talking and praying together and seeking to listen to the Lord. What, what do you want of us in the coming year? And then we've had the family business meeting. Many of you were there where we spent time listening to the Lord and saying, what do you want to say to us? And then uh, we get really practical. We say, okay, we sense God is saying this, and uh, how much is going to cost? And uh, then we drop a, a budget and... Uh, That's the exciting bit, and then the challenging bit is then uh, uh, I I get to stand in front of you all and say, okay, we think God's saying this, and this is how much it's going to cost, and if you're able to give, you're excited to uh, contribute towards this, please do so. Uh, So we will be inviting you to give. Every year on Vision Sunday, we have uh, uh, some kind of a prophetic symbol. We've had doors, uh, tents, trees, boats... And this year, as you may be able to see, we've got, uh, we've got grapes. A grape is an underrated fruit. It's like, it's like a little, little sack of sugar. <laughs> and we've got... Um, anyone, want a, anyone want a grape? Go ahead. Actually, note to yourself, don't chuck grapes around. We've got cream here, and we've got honey on the comb. And that's because these are three foods that are at the heart of the Bible story, I want us to look at together today. The backstory story to what we're about to read is this. Moses, after, you know, really his whole adult life, dreaming of a promised land, he knows it's time to, you know, send the people in. And so he does a really smart thing. He gathers 12 spies, 12 members of his own uh, people, and he says, I want you to go in and find out. What's it like in there? This place that God's spoken to us about, promised us, the place we've been dreaming of, talking about, imagining around campfires for 40 years. What's it like? And what are the challenges we're going to face? And so the 12 spend six weeks uh, yomping around Canaan, um, just scouting things out. And then, as we're about to see, they return to Moses with a very mixed report. Uh, So if you're able to do so, let's stand out of reverence for God's Word. This is Numbers chapter 13, and we're going to read verses 26 to 33. I'll just read it to you. We've got the words on the screen. They came back to Moses and Aaron, and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. And there the twelve reported to them, and to the whole assembly, and showed them the fruit of the land. To this day... Uh, the Tourist Board of Israel. Their logo is a massive, great bunch of grapes on a stick with two men carrying it, and and that's because they showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account: "We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does indeed flow with milk and honey, honeycomb cream. Thank you very much. We have spared no expense today. Here is its fruit." But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large, and we even saw descendants of Anak there. Do I hear a boo for Anak? Hmm, Yes. The Amalekites live in the Negev. (laughs) We don't even know who these people are. Uh, (laughs) The Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, and Marmites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people. It's a dramatic moment. He silenced them. He said, shut up before Moses. And he said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. Amen. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So the 12 come back having seen the same things, but with a very different perspective. The 10 focus on The incredible problems, and the two, that's Josh and Caleb, focus on the incredible potential. It is indeed a land flowing with milk and honey, grapes, and everything else. And yeah, 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 there's giants and there's fortified cities. But the ten focus on the problems. There's giants, there's fortified cities. If you like, The 10 are yes, but people. Yes, it's great, but there are giants. And the two are but yes, people. But, there's a lot of problems. But yes, we can certainly do it. As we look ahead to the coming year, I believe we are faced together as a church, as individuals, as families, with extraordinary possibilities and extraordinary problems. The question is how will we posture ourselves at such a moment, such a threshold as this? Extraordinary possibilities as a church. You know, everywhere's growing. Just shot over here from Aldershot. Amazing, unbelievable what's happening there children everywhere, 180 adults now in Aldershot. In, in I mean, it's just amazing what, what's going. We're going to play you a video later, which a test me from someone who's got saved in Aldershot. Come to know Jesus in Aldershot. And, and it's amazing what's going. Uh, Woking, is, you know starting to, we're going to have to start another service because it just can't, can't fit. There's such possibilities. But we are also, let's be honest facing extraordinary challenges. There is an increasingly hostile culture in which we are all swimming. You remember it was just a few months ago, the English and Welsh Church uh, or belief census reported the first time in any of our lifetimes the number of people in this nation calling themselves Christian is lower than 50%. There is a continued cost of living, crisis, Inflation is beginning to slow down, thanks be to God, but the, the price of food keeps going through the roof. Amen? Like every time you're at, at, at Tesco's or Lidl or Aldi or Sainsbury's or Waitrose, <laughs> you're still shopping at Waitrose. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're still shopping at Waitrose, because we're going to clock you, because the offering's coming around a bit later. <laughs> and, Frankly, if you're still shopping at Waitrose, you can give. Oh, you can give. <laughs> you're not even at Tesco's yet, let alone little. We have a continued cost of living crisis. And then, of course, in our own lives, each of us has got very real giants. And they're serious. They're real. Thomas just shared about one that he's been wrestling with for four years, gloriously healed. But until 24 hours ago, that concussion, it may be... Struggling in your your marriage, or worried about your kids, your health, your work, your finances. Uh, it, it, it may be an addiction. We all have these giants. Incredible possibilities, incredible problems. And I know in my own life that when I'm faced with problems, it's much easier to be ill than, than than Winnie the Pooh. It, it, it's much easier to focus on the giants than the milk and honey and grapes. I find it easy, very tempting to downgrade my expectations so I don't get disappointed. I find it tempting to batten down the hatches just to try and ride out whatever the storm is. But I believe that God is actually very clearly speaking to us as a church, inviting us to be brave, inviting us to have the spirit of Caleb and make those five words core to our very existence and our prayer lives, our conversations over the coming year, we can certainly do it. To be yes, not yes, but people, but but yes, people. And why do I say God's speaking to us? Well, one of the examples, some of you remember a few weeks ago, Edwin, who's probably here somewhere, uh, the Lord just touched his life in the worship. And he's deeply moved. He saw wave upon wave of people, broken people, needy people, being brought to the the church. And he came up and he shared it here, standing right here. And he said, "I, I just believe the Lord is saying, get ready, are you ready for what I'm about to do? And that would have captured my attention at any time. But then as he was sharing it, Chris Leach messaged me and said, I had the same vision at family business meeting, but I, I just didn't share it. And so then God really had my attention. We must get ready for the wave upon wave that is coming. Will we be yes, but or but Yes. Will we be intimidated by all the problems or will our posture be, we can certainly do it. And the possibilities really are, I'm not just hyping this up, extraordinarily exciting. We've been number crunching and uh, I can tell you this, and, and you've been given handouts on the way in. But firstly, as a church family, we are growing Over the last year, we grew by 400 people, more than 400 people, actually, over the last year, which would be amazing any time, but at a time where the church across the nation is declining, this is a wonderful thing to be part of what God is doing here. I've talked about what God's doing in all the shots, but here in Guildford, he's doing something I could focus anywhere, but let me just focus Uh, on young people, what God is doing amongst young people, because we all carry that burden so deeply, don't we, in this congregation under Adam and Hannah's brilliant leadership. Uh, As we look at the stats amongst young people in this congregation, we now have uh, 65 students, university students. We now have 67 young people, and we have... Get ready, 115 under ten-year-old children. That is both wonderful and terrifying simultaneously. Uh, 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 and so we know that in the next year we're going to have to start a third service here in Guildford, a second morning service in the next year. Clearly, I mean we're basically full in here on a Sunday morning now. That's got costs attached to it, but it's not just we're growing. Numerically, I mean, a boil can grow in size. It's not necessarily a a good thing. (laughs) But we're also growing in depth. Prayer is growing in our midst. It was only quite recently that we celebrated this extraordinary landmark of three years of daily prayer, morning prayer, and night prayer, two a minimum, two sometimes three prayer meetings a day for three years. And uh, Jill Weber uh, and Natalie, where's Natalie? And uh, Natalie, just thank you so much for your leadership of, of all all of that. And it's extraordinary to have prayer. We're not just sort of in the business of marketing some religious, you know, uh, product. Uh, We're not just sort of social workers with a Bible verse. We are people who know Jesus. And that's why everything has to begin in relationship with him, in prayer. And so we've seen this amazing uh, growth in prayer. And I haven't even mentioned the fact that in the last year, by God's incredible mercy and kindness through uh, relationships, even here in this building, We've come into the sphere of Waverley Abbey and uh, many of you very, very involved in the seed community, the Waverley community there. And uh, that center of prayer, that's not just a beautiful place to pray, but it is an ancient, one of the oldest places of prayer in the British Isles. And by God's grace, uh, we get to play and pray there. It's been an extraordinary year. We've grown as a family. We've grown in prayer. And we've also, this year, grown, and this is so important, especially at a time like this, in our care for the poor. It, the, the stats are just extraordinary. This year we have, by God's grace and by your generosity, been able to support eight, more than 8,000 people. Let's just take that in. More than 8,000 people. Way, 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 way bigger than we are as a church is what we're doing for others. Our Ukrainian hub for refugees has 140 Ukrainians every single week. 150 people attending the weekly community lunches at the lighthouse. 5,000 have benefited from the food bank. 800 adults have been clothed. 800 children have benefited from the jigsaw Program, I I could go on. I don't know if Eric and Rebecca are here and the team from Lighthouse. Many of you volunteer, but we are so grateful to you. It is amazing to be part of a church that is pouring itself out for those who are finding life incredibly tough. And then as well as growing as a family. Yes, thank you, everybody. As well as... Growing as a family and growing in prayer and growing in our care for the poor, there's this wonderful sense over recent weeks that the Spirit of God is doing a new thing in our midst as we push into his presence with Sunday evening prayer times, wonderful times of worship here, a great sense. Of, even in Thomas's testimony there, just a miracle that's taken place in the last 24 hours. I'm sure if I sat down with every single one of you, you would have stories of both the incredible possibilities as you look ahead, but also the incredible problems that you are facing. This church is full, though, of people facing problems, but your attitude is we can certainly do it. Just in the last couple of weeks, Anna Mather, I don't know if you were here, amazing, launched this mum ribbon scheme. So, you, you know, you tie a ribbon to your pushchair or, or to your handbag, and it's a sign, I'm we're here to help or I need help. And all the national newspapers have picked this up, and a movement's been born out of someone here in this church. Or I think about Pete Marsden, who's the CEO of Concordis, who is right at the forefront, therefore, of brokering peace, trying to broker peace right now in Sudan. What a privilege to have someone like that. This is headline news stuff right in this church. Or I think of Rich Dawson who's just quit his job in order to focus more on his music because God has given an amazing talent with his music. These are all people who have giants in their lives, I'm quite sure, but their posture is we can certainly do it. It's uh, perhaps why the most frequent command in the Bible is do not fear. Don't be afraid. And this is sobering stuff, guys, because, let me tell you why. The 10 of the 12 who had the yes-but attitude, the there-are-too-many-giants attitude, according to the Scriptures, did not enter the promised land. They missed out on the promise. They missed out on the very thing they'd been praying for and dreaming of their whole lives the only two out of the 12 and it cannot be coincidence that got into the promised land were Joshua and Caleb there is something about a posture of faith that attracts the release of God's favor that's what we heard in Thomas's testimony just then the 10 were eliminated because they allowed themselves to be intimidated They were eliminated because they were intimidated. And God says again and again to you, do not fear, do not fear. And we respond, I think, with your help. If he can, we can. We can certainly do it. There's something about faith that attracts the favor of God, and we read this in Hebrews 11, uh, verse 6. Without faith. It is impossible, impossible to please God without faith. And it's interesting when you look at the life of Caleb here, who silences the Israelites, says, Shut up, we can do it. He's not mentioned before in scripture, but he's mentioned 39 times after this moment. And I've read every single one, and every single instance, all 39, describe him being blessed in some way. Blessed in his family, blessed in battle, blessed in his finances. There is something about this posture that attracts the blessing of God. So, away from biblical metaphor, how are we practically going uh, to do this? How are we going to step into the promised land? How are we going to get ourselves ready for wave upon wave of people? How are we going to posture ourselves at the start of this new financial year with an attitude that says we can certainly do it? When there are giants in the land, there are fortified cities that we must face. Well, we, we've drawn up a plan. And I'm just going to share with you some of the things that we we sense that the Lord is calling us to do regionally as a church in the coming year. And then particularly some things we feel we need to do here in Guildford. But if you need more information on that, you can get more in your brochures. Regionally. First of all, we want to keep pushing forward in prayer. We don't want to rest on our laurels. This is the heart and soul of this church. We are seeking to be a house of prayer for the nations. We're at the heart of the 24-7 prayer movement. And so it's wonderful what's been happening with all the Zoom prayer meetings But it was even more wonderful when we reopened the 24-7 prayer room recently. It's thrilling to see 24-7 prayer happening in Aldershot. And what Jill and Natalie and the team are dreaming of is wouldn't it be incredible if we could raise a canopy of continual prayer across this region in this season, whereby there is always a 24-7 prayer room happening in either Guildford or Woking or Aldershot through the whole year, passing the baton one to the other. And I should have said in Waverley as well of course that's got costs attached to it another thing that we're sensing for the coming year is we would like to gather the whole church together 1200 of us at Waverley Abbey once a term put up a massive great tent baptize people in the lake there uh, play British Bulldogs anyone here remember British Bulldogs it's probably illegal now but we're gonna do it anyway and uh, and 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 we'll barbecue things and provide meat-free options as well, uh, and we'll have amazing extended worship, and we'll have world-class teaching, and we'll picnic on the lawn, and we'll feed the 5,000. It'll be amazing. there will be unicorns skipping around. It's going to be unbelievable. <laughs> and I just thought, great, let's do it. And then someone tediously explained to me that it's very expensive to get tents and PA and all the rest of it. So apparently it's lots of money. But it's going to be marker moments for us all to get to know one another and to celebrate God together and bring our friends and get baptised. And so we want to raise some money so we can start to do that once a term. I think it would be fabulous. We also, this year, need to invest into the whole realm of digital engagement, our website, our social media, and uh, we've compared ourselves to other churches of a similar size, and we invest way less into this really important field than others. Now, I know some of you at that point go, oh, grief, you know, the website's fine, it'll do. It's a black hole, this stuff. But listen, here's the deal. If you come regularly, you probably very rarely look at the website. Because you just know, you know, Mrs. Miggins phones you up and tells you the prayer meeting's moved by half an hour, and you just know. But listen, when you invite your friends to Emmaus Road or you tell them about church, I guarantee the first thing they do long before they walk through the doors is they Google it. And what we get blind to is it's our shop window. Imagine a store in the high street there that's got amazing stuff on sale but they just totally ignore or have rubbish uh, stuff in their shop windows. Listen, our, our website's good, but it's not yet good enough for those who are not here, for those who don't yet know Jesus, for those who are inquiring. And we, we just need to invest into that in the coming year just to keep up with things. Uh, also, uh, this year, uh, and this is really practical, so some of you will zone out at this point, but some of you will go, oh, lost, a really practical thing. We've got a few buildings, we've got the founders studio, we've got, you know, a couple of buildings in Aldershot now, obviously the lighthouse, and poor old Alan Buckland is trying to sort of manage all these buildings as well as everything else. He, it means he gets called out at one in the morning when we've got Rosemary Alley He's turned into a whitewater rafting place and we are flooding again in the prayer room and we just need someone to help manage some of the properties. And I know some of you like, oh, we don't really need to do that. But some of you are a bit more practical. Like, you know, you're good with an electric drill and you understand at this moment, oh yeah, that's probably quite important. So we, we need to do that. Here in Guildford, uh, we uh, have a number of things we're, we're, we're excited to be looking to do in the coming year. And right at the top of the list, unfortunately, is one of things I've got to be most uh, careful in what I say about for many reasons. But you all know that we have been dreaming and praying like the people of Israel in wandering in the wilderness, dreaming of a promised land of a lighthouse in Guildford a center from which we can care for the poor and bind up broken hearts and minister. And we know there's great need. There's wealth in Guildford, but there's great need as well. And I, I so wanted, I was desperately trying to move certain negotiations along at an unnatural pace so I could stand in front of you today and make some big announcement and we let off party poppers and we would just Not quite at the place in the negotiations where I can give you uh, any of the details. But suffice to say, we are uh, at heads of terms stage uh, in negotiations for an unbelievably exciting premises that will be a marker, a flagship for us uh, in the centre of Guildford. And um, I just hesitate because I know we've... Got your hopes up before and they've come to nothing. Please pray because I cannot tell you how exciting it would be if this happens. If it happens, though, so, it's going to need a load of dosh, and so please give if you care about this stuff. Please give. Um, also in Guildford this year. Uh, listen, I said earlier that we've got more than a hundred under ten-year-olds, and everyone went whoop, but. We only have one person working with the children, like in any sort of formal capacity, Uh, dear Claire. And and guys, if any of you ever tried to do a children's party with just one person and any more than about 10, you know it took five years off your life. This is a hundred children. We need to invest more with our children. In fact, we want to grow way beyond a uh, hundred children. We want to have hundreds of children hearing about Jesus. And, and if they have any spare time in the week, we'll put them in local primary schools, sharing the good news there and all the rest of it. So we'd love to invest in uh, another children's pastor. Um, we also—I mentioned it earlier—but we need to. It's not as we want to. We need to plant a second service in the morning here in Guildford, and there are costs associated with that. Uh, some of you will know that from time to time we rent out the mill. That's the building just on the left when you go out there. It's a great space. We would like to be able to do that every week for our young people, to give them just an amazing space to grow our youth work there, but it's quite pricey. How much is it each time? 300 a week. I actually thought our worship pastor just did a roof sign at me, but he didn't. Uh, Three, three, 300 uh, pounds every time. But you know that when that breaks down per head uh, for the young people, and you know how difficult it is being a Christian young person, let alone a young person who becomes a Christian, that 300 quid a week is really good value for money. So we'd, but, but scale that over the year, there's serious costs there. And it enables this to become a campus where we've got founders, The Mill, and uh, Yvonne Arnaud. And then here's another thing in Guildford. Uh, It's almost, I feel embarrassed, I don't know why, to tell you this, but we don't really have any pastoral space, private pastoral space in Guildford, because the founders is used through and through, and especially as we grow in prayer. And therefore, a lot of, as pastors, we have to have very delicate uh, meetings often. Uh, Adam and Hannah are regularly talking with people, praying with people. There are often tears involved. And quite often, those meetings are happening in public cafes and, frankly, inappropriate spaces because we just don't have the luxury, as it were, of our own church building in that sense. And we would love to be able to find uh, some pastoral space here in the centre of Guildford for meetings when you need to talk to somebody uh, and uh, that, that it's a safe and an appropriate place. So there's lots of practical things we want to do. As I come into land here, let me just... Very quickly, draw this together. I'm going to show you this video. Let's be absolutely clear about money and about giving. We don't talk about money enough in this church, considering how much we all think about it day to day. And uh, forgive me, it's my fault, probably sometimes a bit of a coward with it. But the scriptures talk again and again and again about worshipping God with our money. In fact, we're commanded in the Bible to give. Jesus says you cannot worship both God and money. You've got to make a choice. And when we give in this context, we change lives. When you give on Amazon, you barely change Jeff Bezos' left toenail. Is it Bezos or Bezos? Bezos. Oh, it's quite, a, quite a strong reaction there. <laughs> Bezos. Okay, good. Excellent. He's not only very rich, we can pronounce his surname. I'm going to keep calling him Bezos, just out of sort of. <laughs> but, 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 but when we give to the work of God, we change lives. And sometimes literally it's eternal. We save lives for eternity. When we give, in this context, it's an act of worship that says, God, I worship you, not money. And we live in one of the most materialistic parts of the world, at one of the most materialistic times in history. And in theory, we believe all our money is God's. But then if we're doing that, why don't we give 10% back to him? It's just a token of all that he is giving to us. That's the tithe, the biblical uh, guideline there. And of course, you know really practically, guys, that with inflation being what it is, if if you give regularly and you're able to put your giving up by 10%, that just enables us to keep pace with what's happening. If you can give more than that, then it enables us to really start to do some of the other things that we are talking about. That's why we need to give, but how do we give? Well, the Scriptures couldn't be clearer. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 9 Verses 7 to 11. And then we'll watch this video. Each of you, says the Apostle Paul, should give what you have decided in your heart to give. And so that's why we're going to make space after the video for you to do some deciding, some talking. If you're married, talk to your partner. Maybe you just want some time and you're in your own. God, what are you asking me for uh, to, to give? Decide in your heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. Please, no one feel pressured. Okay? Just if you don't want to give, don't give. In fact, if you've got financial problems, come and talk to us, and we want to see if we can help you with those. Don't feel under any pressure, because God loves a cheerful giver. Only give what you can give cheerfully, joyfully, with a sense of hilarity. You will then be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God what a wonderful prospect and so we're called to give thoughtfully and cheerfully every year at this time Sammy and I try and put up our giving um some years is only by a little bit some years we're able to do a bit more but uh it's a, been a discipline we've been married now for 20 <laughs> several years and um <laughs> and what precious years they have passed so quickly and um and, uh, but every year, uh, for however many years that may be, and I, I'm going to find out later, many times, uh, I will be reminded later how many years it is that we have been systematically trying to put up our giving every year. So I've given you a bit of Bible, Caleb, let's have the spirit, there's giants in the land, there's problems and possibilities, let's have the attitude that says we can certainly do it. I've given you a few stats and really practical things. Hey, here's some of the stuff that we sense that we should be trying to do in the next year. And, and, uh, you know, here's some numbers of what God's been doing in our midst. But now I want to just draw this right down onto what really matters. And it's this. One changed life. And we're blessed to have many examples we could have used. And we filmed a number of videos recently. But this is the first one we're excited to share with you. And this is a wonderful member of Aldershot. I was just with him um, an hour ago in Aldershot. His name is Mick. So take a look at Mick's story.
0: Hi, everybody. My name's Mick. And uh, I want to make a a statement of how I came to Jesus. It started with, um, a long time ago... When I was a child, I was brought up as a Catholic. Very quickly became self-centred and and self-motivated and gave the church up. Uh, I had no respect for anybody. I didn't uh, believe that anything was worth having unless I stole it. So much of my life was spent taking other people's property and also thinking that the whole world owed me a living rather than uh, me go out and do anything for it. So my life was spent uh, disagreeing with the law and uh, making sure that I was in a position where I couldn't go out too often and take other people's property. When it came to um, being anywhere according to God, uh, we had an agreement. I wouldn't see from his church and he would leave me alone. And that worked right up until the time when my daughter became very ill. And uh, she was in the hospital with uh, lots of different things that were causing her a lot of problems. While I was in the hospital with my daughter on deathbed, um, we had some people from the, the church, because she was a Christian, were coming in to pray over her. When this guy kept coming in, he didn't seem very interested in my daughter, but he did seem interested in me. Um, And he kept saying, shall we pray together? Uh, And I would say, no, you're okay, off you go. He kept coming each day, sometimes twice a day. And he would say to me things like, I really think Jesus wants you to pray and I would explain to him the relationship that me and Jesus had was that uh, I promise not to steal from his house if he leaves me alone. Um, And so far it's been quite happy, and uh, he kept on. Well, eventually when my daughter was, the death certificate was uh, ready and waiting, I knew that I couldn't be selfish any longer. Um, and I did actually get down on my knees and pray. I hadn't slept properly for a while. When I did fall asleep it, and woke up the next day, um, I was frightened that I had missed the very point of where my daughter, I wanted to hold my daughter's hand when she died. So I went to the, the nurse and, and asked where they'd take my daughter. Um, and they said that uh, they were turning the machines off when she showed signs of life. They had to turn the machines back on. When uh, the people from the church come in to do their prayers, I told them that what had happened, um, that she had, the, the hospital had saved her and uh, she was not dying now, and the chap that kept coming round asking me to pray, was standing at the back of them all. And he looked over at me and he said, you prayed. And The first words I said was, no, I didn't. Um, And he looked a big smile and I have not seen that man since. I approached several people from the church that she went to and they definitely said it was not him. After telling somebody about this, my only conclusion is he was an angel. And one of those things that makes me think that is when he was talking to me, it was at eye level, when he was talking from the back of somebody, he was looking over them, as though he was standing on a box of some sort, but there was no box around. Uh, So I naturally assumed that he was my angel. I've had many instances since then of things happening that are quite unexplainable eight days later my daughter walked out the hospital i hadn't seen my daughter walk for many years she asked me if i would go to church because she was going to church um, and because i made a promise to god that i would do all i can to thank him each day for giving me her back Um, that's what i done i got to one church that where the pastor was talking about baptism, and I thought, this—if I'm going to do this, I've got to do it all for for God and not for me. So I was baptized, and uh, my life today is completely changed. I haven't been arrested. In fact, I haven't even stolen anything from anybody for many years. So, if you're if you're thinking about praying, or you're thinking about giving up an addiction, ask the Lord. He's he's helped me, and he can help you as well.
2: Amen. As we sung earlier, I believe the power of the gospel still makes the broken whole. And that's what we believe, and that's what everything you've heard is, believing there's more people out there with stories like this that we ought to impact with the good news of Jesus. And so I'm just going to explain a little bit of the nut and bolts of how we're actually going to respond this morning. If we could just bring up that slide of all the different things we're looking to do in Guildford. Sorry, just back a couple. That list of bullet points that Pete went through of Lighthouse, investing into discipling our young people, improving our pastoral space, etc., The cost of those things just for Guildford comes in around £180,000. So that obviously sounds like a lot, but we're a big church now. And so if 300 individuals or couples were able to give £50 a month, that would cover everything we would need to do everything we hope to do in Guildford. Now, we are aware that some people can't give that. And that is totally fine. We understand, as Pete said, please do come and talk to us if we can help but we know that there's other people here who could give that and maybe more. And, um, and so we're going to make a space to do that in just a second. There is a few different ways that you can give. Um, so a slide is going to come up on screen about how you can give this morning. So we've given you a card. Now the card is because in a moment we're going to invite people to come forward and place things here in the basket once you've filled in this card. Now the point of that is twofold. One, it's because of the whole thing of bringing your offering to the altar. Contactless is great, but obviously it does lose something of the ceremony of coming forward together as a family, on mission together. And also because it makes it a lot easier for our finance department instead of going through everyone's monthly order to try and figure out what's changed. We will just go on your word. So if you tell us you're going to do it, we'll trust you and we'll spend it on everything that we're doing. Um, And so if you could please fill in this card. Obviously, if you fill in this card, that doesn't actually mean we can take your money. You still need to do that. And so in just a moment, what we're going to do is give you an opportunity to fill in the card And also, either go onto our website, EmmausRoad.com slash give, or go onto your bank, where obviously you can change your standing order. The bank account details are on the bottom of the card, you can see it there, or you can give through our giving portal if you want to make a one-off gift. Also this morning, if you want to give contactlessly, we have our contactless machines will be in the foyer just as you go out um, in just a moment's time. So what we're going to do now is give you a few moments to speak to the Spirit of the Lord. you know. Pete read 2 Corinthians. What is he asking you to cheerfully give this morning? If you've come and you're married, then uh, this is a time to speak to your partner about what you feel like you might be able to give together and we're going to put some music on. And then after you've done that and you've gone on your bank or you've gone on our giving portal, we're going to invite everyone to come forward in about four minutes time to drop your card into this and then um, we'll email with you tomorrow with all the gift aid and all of those different things that you might need to do it and so um, if you need a card uh, Peter here is going to be walking around if you didn't grab one as you came in or you snuck in this door you might not have get one so do raise your hand as he walks and let me just read two Corinthians to you again there's a couple here then we're going to put a song on we'll give you four minutes and then I'll invite everyone forward remember this Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Brilliant. So take a moment now, talk, we'll put a song on in about four minutes time. I'll invite people to come forward. Thanks so much.